Our scripture this morning comes from two places in the New Testament. The first is from the book of Mark, chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 8 through 12. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts, and he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier for you, which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, take your mat, and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up. Take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Our second scripture comes from the book of James, and it is James' words to us as the body of Christ. James 5, verses 14 and 15. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. May God add his blessing to the reading of this word. Let us be in prayer. Dear Lord, we just ask that these words we have read just soak into our hearts, that as we contemplate healing, that we also think about forgiveness, that those two go together so strongly, and we just pray that you will help us understand how it all works and how it will take life within us. Lord, we pray for Pastor Keith this morning as he comes to share the message that you have given to him. We pray that he will speak boldly and and that we will be open to receive what he has to say. It comes from you, Lord. It is the work of your Holy Spirit. And we just pray for understanding. We pray that our hearts will be open, that our ears and minds will be receptive to what it is that he has to say, so that our hearts will be changed, so that we will come to know what it is truly meant by the healing that you have to offer and how glorious that is when we receive that and allow you to work in our lives in that way. Lord, we offer all these things up to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, good morning. It's good to be with you today. Today, uh, you know, we're talking about healing and Healing, I find, is one of those subjects that, you know, everyone's interested in it, but many people have different views about it, and uh, my goal today is to give us a gospel-centered approach to healing, and then to come before the Lord today to seek healing for whatever it might be that we would need to be healed from. And I am not going to tell you what you need to be healed from, but Hopefully the Lord would work in your heart, but understand this, as we come together, uh, we have a God who cares deeply about us. We have a God who loves us and who has, has given us so many great gifts, and, and a God who, whose spirit is moved by, by the cries of our hearts. And, and again, as I received that message from Pastor Mike this morning, 
uh, I promised him that we would point healing down toward Iowa City and DeSalle, so he wanted me to say thanks for that, and we're going we're gonna to move into that. But, you know, let's talk about, about healing. We've, we've probably heard or seen examples of, of miraculous healing, or at least claims of miraculous healing. Uh, d- does anybody remember um, the movie Leap of Faith, Steve Martin? This is probably, I don't know, maybe 20 years ago, 25 years ago. Um, about an evangelist who comes to town and has a healing revival, and, and uh, he's, he's a fraud, by the way, but he's, he's got this ability to, to wow people up and to, to convince them that he can do healing, and, and he seems to know all sorts of interesting things about people just by the power of God, that he's able to go around and, and, and tell people what their conditions are and tell them where they live, and, and, and of course it's all being fed to him through an earpiece that his assistant is is uh, sending him information. Well, did you know that's based on a true story? Do you guys remember Peter Popoff, the, the great televangelist from the, from the, the 80s? And I use the word great not as a, a judgment of his character, but of his, of, of his influence. Um, I saw a recent documentary that was talking about, uh, you know, healing and, and, and things like that. And they were showing a, a little bit about his ministry. And that's exactly what he would do. He would come to, to big auditoriums and he would... would uh, walk around thousands of people and he would be he would he would come out into the crowd and he, he would say uh, Jason your name is Jason and, and you're a firefighter and stand to your feet and, and you're str- you're suffering from and he'd tell him whatever his his ailment was and he'd give him some kind of information and Jason of course everybody else would be blown away then he'd lay hands on him and he'd say you're healed you know or whatever and everyone was like wow how does this guy do that well the amazing Randy the great debunker and exposer of psychics and, and frauds and all that kind of stuff and magician secrets went to one of, of uh, Popoff's crusades with a, with a radio transmitter uh, receiver and he was able to pick up the frequency of Popoff's wife in the back with the prayer card and information cards that everyone would fill in when they came in uh, you know so what's your problem and they would give out wheelchairs to people who didn't really need them oh come be seated you know like at Walmart with the little deals and come sit down here and and and, and and then Popoff would be fed this information through his earpiece, and then that allowed him to, you know, fool everybody. And then, of course, the amazing Randy, you know, exposed him, and, and he completely went bankrupt and belly up. Well, did you know he's, he's back in ministry? And I, I saw a thing on, on uh, the Internet that his ministry, I think, in 2010, made, like, I don't know, tens of millions of dollars from people who continue to send him their money because he promises them that if they do what he says they should do, and have faith that God will heal them. And of course, when it doesn't work, then where do you think the blame lies? Well, if it was your fault, you didn't have enough faith, right? You didn't do what you were supposed to do. Maybe you should give a little bit more next time. Maybe you should pray a little bit harder next time. Maybe you should believe a little bit more next time. And so we have this you know, reaction to this type of, of uh, you know, mania in the Christian world where... where so there are some who believe that God doesn't do any type of healing anymore. God and the Holy Spirit, the, the gifts of the Spirit, you know, are taught that they, that they ceased at the death of the last apostle. So there are some in the Christian community who, who have different views about healing. Well, what does the Scripture say and what does the Gospel say? You know, I'm not going to pretend to be able to, to find every nuance of that and, and, and present all that to you today. But what, what I'm going to tell you is this. Here, here's what I believe. I believe that God still heals people. I believe that God still works miracles today in, in, in powerful ways that can change our lives and yet in supernatural ways too. 
And, and, and I don't have examples in my own life of, you know, someone growing an arm back or someone, you know, who's blind, not being able to be blind anymore. But, but, but you know what? I have seen God do great and powerful things. And I know that you have too. So I believe that. But my approach to it is not to seek those experiences just because they're cool, but to seek the gospel and see where that leads us. And that's what we're going to do today. You know, there's two types of of ways to look at healing. There's the human-centered way of looking at healing, which is to look at our lives and say, what do we need? What do we want? What's wrong? And and ask God to fix it. And and, and we we certainly do that. But there's another way. It's the gospel-centered way, which is to to ask the question, what brings glory to God? What glorifies God and what advances the kingdom of God? And I know that for many of us, we struggle with this because we've we've seen examples where we've we've prayed and and, and people haven't been healed. And we've we've wondered why. I I did a funeral recently for a, a guy who was 40 years old. Who, who died of cancer, and as I sat with his, with his wife, and, and, and she's about the age of my wife, and I looked at pictures in his home, and his kids are about the age of my kids, and I, I remember seeing the, the stuff, and just like, God, what is up with this? And, 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 and I know that you have other examples in your lives of, of instances where, where everything in our mind would lead to the conclusion that this should happen, but yet it does not. And we're often left with these questions about why does God choose to heal in some instances, but not choose to heal in other instances. And I'll just tell you right now, I haven't got that figured out yet. If I did, I'd write a book, and we could just build the church right now. You see, here's the deal. No human brain can comprehend the mind of God. But yet, nevertheless, we are told by God that he desires that we ask for healing. He desires that we seek it in him. He desires that we come to him in faith. And just maybe, just maybe, our will will line up with God's will and we'll see healing. But that's not the only reason why God healed in the scriptures. There, there, there are four reasons that I've been able to, to discern from the scriptures and, and probably many more, but I'll just share four of them with this morning. First and foremost, Jesus used healing to demonstrate his authority. He used it to, to demonstrate his authority that he had power to heal. Now, you see in, in Mark chapter 2, the scripture that, that Vicki read, that's an amazing story of healing, by the way. What, what the backstory was before we got to the part where Jesus said, you know, that I heal to show you that I can forgive sins, there, there was a man who was paralyzed, and, and, and Jesus was coming to town, and this man's friends wanted to bring him to Jesus, so they carry him to Jesus. He's in a house, and one problem. The house was so filled with people, they couldn't get through the crowd to get to Jesus. So his friends, you know, it's good to have good friends, right? His friends devised this plan to take this guy onto a roof and disassemble some of the roofing material of the home and find out where Jesus was and lower this man physically down through the roof so that he could be near Jesus. So that's the scene. Jesus is there preaching and teaching and, and, and all of this, and now all of a sudden the roof opens up and, and here is this man dropped down, and, and he's paralyzed, and everyone knows it. And Jesus walks up to this man, and, and he says to him, Son, take heart, your sins are forgiven. And everybody in the room was probably a little bit puzzled by that response. This man is paralyzed. 
and Jesus just tells him his sins are forgiven? Now, apparently Jesus knows something that other people don't know. Jesus knows that our greatest need is not for our physical conditions to be fixed. Our greatest need is for our sins to be forgiven so we can have fellowship with God. And indeed, he looks at this man and he tells him his his sins are forgiven, but then he looks around the room and he sees all these people in their hearts murmuring against him and, and, and he's saying, look, here's the deal. You think bad things of me, but I'm going to show you something. Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to get up and walk, but so that you know that I have the power to forgive sins, I say to you, brother, get up and walk. And the man did. So in that instance, Jesus used healing to demonstrate that he has the authority to forgive sins. There's another, another story in John chapter 9 where Jesus uses healing for a different reason. He uses healing in John chapter 9 to prove who he is or to bring glory to God. In John chapter 9, it says this, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? You see, they had this belief that if you had something bad happen to you in your life, that it was all your fault. And that even if there was some sort of uncontrollable issue like blindness, that that was the result of either your own sin or the sin of your relatives, your parents. So they asked him that question, whose fault is this, Jesus? Jesus says, neither. Listen to his answer. This is, this is amazing. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. You see, this man's blindness since birth was all about one thing, what was about to happen to him. And it was done for the glory of God. As long as it is day, Jesus said, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came home seeing. This whole man's life was about bringing God glory through the restoration of his sight. Now, I don't know this man. I can't wait to meet him in heaven someday and ask him this this question. Was it worth it? Was it worth being born blind and having to go through your childhood or whatever without being able to see? Was it worth all of that pain and suffering and, and, and difficulty to have that moment where you got to be healed by Jesus? You know, I bet he's gonna say, yeah. Can you imagine that experience? Sometimes God uses healing to bring glory to God. Now, what's interesting is what happens after this story. People are freaking out, obviously. They're, the neighbors and the friends are like, what happened? Is this the guy who was born blind? Another said, no, it can't be him. That's impossible. But he himself insisted when people quizzed him, yeah, it's me. I'm the man. How then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed. And then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. Maybe it's because he didn't know what he looked like before. Just my own thought there. So then they bring him to the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and they're like, tell us what happened. And they tell him, and they're ticked off. They're angry because Jesus doesn't do things the way that they're supposed to be done, right? And then here's, here's another reason why Jesus heals, to 
to bring glory to God and also to prove who he is. I love this. They, of course, ridicule this man. Tell him he's the result of sin. Tell him he's the problem. Tell him he's got some issue. And they summon him and they say, give glory to God by telling us the truth. We know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. And here's what this guy says. Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know, I was blind, now I see. You see, here's the deal. God wants to heal people for various reasons, but one of the reasons why he heals people is so that he can receive glory and so that people can understand that Jesus is the real deal. Jesus is who he says he was. Jesus is God. Jesus has this authority. But sadly, many people won't believe unless they see some sort of miraculous sign. And Jesus often ridiculed people for that. If only if I do these signs, will you believe in me? I want you to look into your own heart and ask yourself this question. Do you believe in Jesus only because of what you think he can do for you? Or do you believe in Jesus whether or not your, your blindness remains? Now, I know that you might hear this and think, wow, Jesus is a little self-serving, isn't he? He would make someone blind just to prove a point? He would inflict some sort of pain on someone to make himself look good? Wow, if if a human being did that, we wouldn't consider that person a a good person at all, would we? Well, I I don't want you to think too hard about that because in in Matthew 14, we we also see an example of, of Christ and we see that in parallel to all these things, going alongside them is this unbelievable compassion that the Lord has. Indeed, right before he, he feeds the multitudes in Matthew chapter 14, it says this, that he sees them, the great crowds, and he has compassion on them, and he heals all their, all their sicknesses. Great compassion. He feeds people. He looks at people with love in his heart. He's compassionate. But does he still do it today? We can see these great examples. Some say yes. Some say no. I want to know what you say. Do you believe that God can heal you? Do you believe that when you come to Jesus, that he has the power to rearrange anything he wants to in your life? to to fix that issue, to mend that heart? Do you believe that? Now, now because of the examples I I gave you earlier about all the the abuses in the world, many people have a a, a hard time believing. And so we search the Bible, and and we want to know, well, where does it say what I need to do? I mean, I read a passage in James, or Vicky read a passage in James earlier about about being anointed with oil and having the leaders pray for you. And you know, we're going to do that here this morning. But, but, we, we search looking for some sort of, if A, then B, then C, you know, whatever formula for how we're supposed to be healed. But here's the thing I want you to remember about Jesus. There is no formula. There is no easy step to control this process. But the human tendency is to look for that. The human tendency is to say, okay, well, if, if this is what I have to do, then this is what I'll do. And of course, then there are those who, who play on that. And, and help you with that. If you just send in your money, we'll send you this prayer cloth. And if you have faith, it'll heal you. 
If you just give to this ministry, then God will see that gift. You'll be sowing a seed, and God will, will reap a harvest in your life of healing. If you just let God release the miracle faith in your life. And so many people see through that, but then run too far in the other direction and say, well, God doesn't care about me, can't heal me, or whatever. You know, before we get into this little prayer time, there's one important question that I want to ask you before we go any further. And, and I'm, I'm going to let Jesus ask it to you through, through another example in Scripture. In John chapter 5, it's, it's an amazing example. There's a man who had been paralyzed for 38 years. And, and he's sitting at this place called the Sheep Gate in Jerusalem. And it says in verse 3 that a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. And when Jesus saw this man lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him a very important question. Do you want to be made well? What kind of question is that? This poor guy's been there for 38 years. I mean, isn't that the obvious thing? That someone who's been stuck in this condition for 38 years, of course they want to be made well. But I think some of you in this room know exactly what I'm talking about when I would say this. For some people, the answer to that question is no. You say, why? Because for some of us, we have become so attached to our thing, whether it's a physical problem a relational problem, an emotional problem, some sort of condition that has become our identity, that has defined us, and if that were removed from us, we wouldn't have the first clue what we were to do. Some of us have settled into this role of woe is me, I'm a victim of a horrible life, that if that were taken from us, we wouldn't know the first thing to do with ourselves. So it's a real question when, when Jesus looks at a person who has destroyed their life with substances who says, oh, I want all this to go away. And Jesus looks at him and says, do you really want that or you just want to be free from the consequences? Jesus would look at a person who's suffering from some sort of relational uh, brokenness who, who says, boy, I wish my, my family wasn't such a wreck. And Jesus looks at a person and says, do you really want to be made well? Do you want to be in relationship? Jesus may look at a person who, who has become so attached to their ailment and says, do you really want that gone in your life? It's a great question. Because not everybody does. You see, this man had been sitting by this pool for 38 years. You know why? Because he believed the superstition that every once in a while... An angel would come down from heaven and stir up these waters. And whoever the first person to be brought into those, this, these waters after the angel stirred them would be healed miraculously. Now, if that doesn't sound like something right out of Peter Popoff, I don't know what does. And this poor guy has devoted his whole life to sitting right by the pool. And when Jesus says, what's your problem, buddy? He says, oh, man, my life's terrible. Nobody will help me. Nobody will bring me into the pool. I have no one to carry me in. And Jesus says, well then, why don't you quit messing around with all that and just get up and go home? What? You, you mean that's possible? Just get up. Pick up your bed and leave. And you know what? This guy actually does it. 
in that split second, he had faith to look into the eyes of Jesus and hear those words and believe it and do it. So I'm going to tell you right now, if you're looking for some formula for healing, it doesn't exist. You might hear this sermon this morning and go and try to make some mud with some, with some spit and wash it off. You know what? Jesus did that to that guy. There are other examples of healing in the Bible where, where the person who was healed wasn't even there. Did you know that? Sometimes it's the faith of other people that brings healing. So, sometimes Jesus heals people who are dead. Now that person obviously doesn't have any faith at that moment. Other times people have so little faith in Jesus it says that he can't heal them. Did you know that? When he went to his hometown, it says he was able to do no great work there because of their lack of faith in him. Sometimes people are healed in the scriptures because the, the shadow of the apostle Paul falls upon them. Isn't that cool? You know, I wish I could do that. Other times they're healed because a handkerchief sent from Peter is able to... to now, this is some crazy stuff, isn't it? And every way that you slice it, you come up with one important thing. You can't control it. All you can do, all I can do, is ask for it. Ask for it by putting our, hand, our, our lives in the hands of Jesus and by having faith that really the true healing doesn't come from our circumstances being fixed, but from the gospel. The gospel is ultimately where our healing comes from. Did you know that? And, and we know that for three reasons. The first reason is that the gospel frees us from sin and death in the final resurrection. You know how Jesus told that man his sins were forgiven. That's, that's for everybody. That's the gospel promise for you and I that would look on Jesus and say he is our Lord and Savior, that ultimately in the final resurrection when we stand before God because of what he has done, there will be no more ailments anymore. Listen to what Paul writes in Romans 5. Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness, the cross, was justification that brings life for all men. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. The gospel frees us from sin and death. And also the gospel reveals our identity as God's children. Our identity is not in that ailment that we have or that problem that has overtaken us or that relational issue that has, has defined us. That's not your identity. Your identity is as a child of God. John 1 verse 12 says this, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's your identity. And finally, the gospel demonstrates the character of God. It shows that when God looks upon you, his disposition towards you is that of love. First John tells us, and we know, and, we, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Whatever you heard today, whatever you learned today, understand this. God loves you and he wants to, you to rely on him for that healing that you so desperately need. Do you want to be made well? If so, we're going to have a little exercise here today. And this doesn't need to be anything crazy. This doesn't need to be anything uncomfortable. But what I want you to do right now 
is just look around you and get to a place where you can, you know, kind of make physical contact with three or four other people. And, and I would ask that you to be especially on the lookout for those who are sitting by themselves or unable to move. I don't want those folks to have to get up and move to you. So, so let's, let's just take a moment here and, and gather together in little clumps if we can. I know you might think this is weird. Just, just, be hap- just, be, just say, well, Keith's the youth guy. He does weird things. Just be thankful I'm not making you stick marshmallows in your mouth or something like that. Okay, so, so just get to where you can, to, can, can be with two or three other people, and, and we're going to go through this liturgy of a service for healing that's found in our, in our hymnal, in our book, or our book of worship, and, and I'm going to take us through this. And now I'd like you just to, just to grab hands or put an, a hand on a shoulder, and, and if you have your, your liturgy in, in front of you, on your purple sheets, I'm going to guide us through that. And I want this to be done in, in an attitude of prayer and, and seeking the Lord. May the grace and peace be yours in abundance in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And respond together. We have come to lift up our brothers and sisters before the Lord that they might receive healing. Let those who seek God's healing open their hearts to the Spirit of the Lord. Almighty and everlasting God, who can banish all affliction, both of soul and of body, show forth your power upon those in need, that by your mercy they may be restored to serve you afresh in holiness of living. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. O God, the giver of health and salvation, We give thanks to you for the gift of oil. As your holy apostles anointed many who were sick and healed them, so pour out your Holy Spirit on us and on this gift that those who in faith and repentance receive this anointing through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now just take a moment in in, in prayer and begin to ask God's movement in, in his healing power on the lives of those in your group. And then in just a few moments... We're going to have prayer stewards that are going to come up here, and they're going to take this oil, and they're going to be standing right here. And if you would like a special, specific prayer for, for, uh, for healing in your life, you'll be invited to come forward and have some oil uh, anointed upon your head and prayed for specifically. But just in these moments now, seek the Lord. Ask God's Spirit to move mightily. I'm going to lead you in this prayer at the bottom of this liturgy, and may it be a prayer from your heart for those in your particular group right now. Almighty God, we pray that our brothers and sisters may be comforted in their suffering and made whole. When they are afraid, give them courage. When they feel weak, grant them your strength. When they are afflicted, afford them patience. When they are lost, offer them hope. When they are alone, move us to their side. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Now I'm going to invite our prayer stewards to come forward. Just remain in an attitude of prayer. And as they are stationed here, just know that you've got an opportunity right now that in faith you can, as the Scripture declares, come before Jesus, be anointed with oil, ask God's healing power upon you. The altar is open.